Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deep dive into the weekend message. Did you purposely wait to open your pickle while we were live? <laughs> I don't. You don't have to put it any closer. I can always smell it. Um, funny. I was did telling somebody you, did you about talk that to the this people? weekend. Did you talk anyway. to the people? Yeah. Well, we are excited that you are here. Like I said, overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive, <laughs> and where Josh always eats a pickle. That's just the two things that pretty much always happen. Um, before there it is. The, yeah. the smell just whip like. It's just yeah, well, he, comes on over look, and just clock's hits me running. In the face. We've already lost a minute. Oh man. Okay. Well, just welcome to my world, people. This is this is the smell of pickle. Um, yeah. So before we do jump in, there is two things that we want to draw to your attention. Uh, the very first is that this coming Friday on July 23rd, we are doing another one of our fourth Friday flicks. Pretty excited about this one um, because the movie just came out. We actually can show this. We are going to be showing the yeah. brand new Space Jam: A New Legacy. No, That's come with low expectations, from what I hear. Come yeah, with low the, expectations. And you know what? I've pre-screened it. Yeah. it. It's not as good as the original, but it's still not yeah. a terrible movie. But you get to hang out with your church family yeah. for free. And yeah. you can judge for yourself whether the movie was good or bad. So come on out. We're going to be showing it at 6:30. There's just one showing this month, so. Again, it, that's Friday, July 23rd. It'll be showing at 6.30. We will have some concessions available. Everything's cheap, like a dollar. So show up for that if you're interested. It is a rain or shine event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So come on out. We'd love to have you there. the weather's supposed to be there. good, though. The weather's supposed to be good. Good, good. That's what we're praying for. Um, and then the other thing that we do want to let you know is that right now we are taking names for our next round of nominating committee for the elder of the Christian life. Yeah, so, so basically, eventually what this committee that we're putting together, so we're looking for people's names and suggestions to be part of this committee that helps to find and select the next elders. So you are not putting names of people that you think would be good elders. You're putting names of people that you think would be a great committee to find that next so elder. People filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. That's yes. what we want here. Good discernment. So if you are interested in giving a name for somebody you think should be a part of that team, you you can go to clcfamily.church slash uh, eld- uh, nominating. No, nominate. 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 Like dominate with an N. Yes. Nominate. nominate. So clcfamily.church slash nominate. And you can just write in a couple different names there if you have a couple different names. Have up to three options. Yeah. We would love for you to be able to be a part of that. We will be kind of doing a little bit of a business meeting at the end of this week in the sense that we'll be calling that to attention yeah. at the end of the service. And then in the next couple of weeks, you'll see some more things happen as that. So our church governance uh, means we have L. Elders that bear the burden of making sure our our church stays on mission and vision. So the way we say it around here is we're staff-led but elder-governed. And uh, the way that works is uh, there's a nominating committee put together every year that recommends these elders. Once the slate of elders is recommended, we'll bring them back in front of you. You'll get to vote on them. We'll get to lay hands on them and pray. And we'll get going on the new round of elders. We add three every year for three-year terms and this elder nominating committee is really really important because these are the folks who are going to help us discern and decide who i should help govern our church by the way staff's not involved in that yeah so it's this elder nominating committee then goes before uh, the church so please 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 i'm just saying that but in order to do it appropriately in terms of our bylaws and polity and governance we actually have to do it in a business meeting so we take a few minutes at the end of the church service call kind of a ad hoc business meeting 
I recommend that you guys make some nominations either in the bulletin or online and then we'll close yeah. in with a benediction. So that's what's coming up this week. If you want more information about why we do that or how we do it, show up this Thursday night or anytime after to the uh, vision video yeah. that will show up. And usually we do it the third Thursday of the month, but the reality is it's the first Thursday after the third Tuesday of the month. First Thursday after the third Tuesday. The reason and that being, just doesn't sell. No, no, no. Yes, it's yeah. kind of, let me roll off your tongue. So that uh, we always do the vision video after the elder yeah. uh, session meeting that happens on the third Tuesday. So first Thursday after the third Tuesday. That's this Thursday. You can join us or watch anytime after. You're probably not going to remember any of that. Oh, but just they got it. This week you can you can tune into. Ben that doesn't week. think you're very smart or capable. I do. I didn't say that at all. But uh, yeah, so I would love for you to be a part of that. I do want to say hey to Tom and Mary Lynn yeah. who are joining us. LK and Nancy as well. They're joining us live. We've got a couple different people. Um, I did pull up all of the different yeah. streams. So if you do have a question, we are all about questions. We love questions. We have one from one of our viewers that we're going to get to in a little bit. But if you are watching this live, feel free to yeah. kind of jump into the comments. Um, usually we're, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation, so it's not like instant yeah. answering that question. But we love getting to any of the questions. So Jesus feel free to let us know. Jesus asked a lot of questions. Be like Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess at that point... Um, let's kind of recap. So we were in week seven of the better series, but year full year one and one week of the Luke series. So you want to kind of bring us up to speed of what we were talking about this week? <laughs> yeah. So we're learning to live like Jesus is living through us. Yeah. Right. And because we, he actually is so, so, so crazy that, uh, God decided that he would make himself known and available to us by taking residence in us through the work of the Holy Spirit, which sounds so crazy until you experience it. And you're like, it is crazy, but filled with such joy and hope. And so for the last year, we've been trying to figure out who Jesus is and how do we follow him? And what do we do if we learn we're not capable of following him, which is really, really helpful to understand the work of the Spirit. So we've just been slowly working through methodically verse by verse by verse. Last week, we covered five verses this week. <laughs> Uh, we covered a lot more, 22, we're supposed to cover 33, so thanks for joining us here. We'll cover the extra 11 uh, today in our time together. But really, what we're seeing here is Jesus is tackling head-on religion. Yeah. And what is so interesting is, if you're like me, you grew up holding religion at very high value. That the best the best adjective to describe godly people was religious, right? Oh, they're really religious. And yet, not, well, I don't want us to start seeing it as a pejorative because there are some times like James has true religion is taking care of orphans right, and widows. Right. So he actually defines what real religion would be. But when we think about religion the way that I define it for us over and over again is religion is man's attempt to either get to God, build their own ladder, uh, complete the checklist, or just become their own God. Where Christianity is different, it is God's perfect attempt to reconcile himself to man through Jesus. And so what Jesus is going to draw a stark contrast between is himself and religion. So this week in the better series, like in your choices, you choose better. It was to choose Jesus over religion. And we left, I got to actually see kind of the steps of how do you do that? And Jesus starts with open your eyes because he's saying the way that he's going to contrast religion is that religious people worry about the outside and I've neglected the inside of themselves. Yeah, and right. so what we saw, there's kind of four steps to this. I said them over and over again. I'm going to find them in my notes here to make sure I get them correctly. But here's what they are. You want to really, really choose Jesus over religion. Here's how you do it. First, you see him. Then you receive him. Then you respond to him. 
And then, then, only then, please, please, only then do you reflect him, right? We want to jump all the way to us. Let me just be like Jesus. You're not really capable of it. I'm not really capable of it. So the way that it works is we open our eyes. We see him. We receive him. As we receive him, then we respond to him with, you know, adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication, like we talk about in prayer. And then, 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 then what ends up happening in your life naturally as a byproduct of seeing him, receiving him and responding to him is you will actually reflect him. You will let your light shine before men. People will see your good works and therefore glorify your Father in heaven. And that really is a really good imagery for the way that Jesus starts this talk off with these religious people yeah. as he explains it, contrasting inside outside. But the first contrast he does is between light and darkness. So Jesus is literally telling them, open your eyes, let the light in, because the reality is most of us have closed our eyes and walked in ignorance, a lot of times even willful ignorance, mm -hmm. because we like our pleasures and we like our things and we like our performance. So Jesus is going to go after the people who are the best performers and help them understand how that is not a way to live and what the consequences and you know uh, yeah the consequences of those kind of choices so yeah. we'll walk back to it today kind of go verse by verse yeah and so i do want to get to luke 11 but then also i think it was it was uh, john 15 we hope to get to yeah i want us to actually say how do we receive see him receive him respond yeah. and reflect him well john 15 at the uh, end of jesus's you know life before he gets brutally murdered he'll come back to life really good news he can give some more specific ways to do that. Yeah. So. Uh, so I feel like as we start, one of the things that if you listen to it, and we always encourage you to start by listening to the message, this is always kind of part two. So if you want to go back, you can find that on our website, clcfamily.com slash church. clcfamily.church slash media. Um, yeah. I don't know why I still say calm occasionally. Yeah. but you Find it on Facebook. Yeah, find you, it on YouTube. Subscribe. Yeah, there's a lot You'll of different us. places you can find it. Yeah. So. Um, as we look at this, what we see is that Jesus is pretty harsh. Like, and I don't even know if harsh is the right word. He's truthful, but the truth is is pretty intense in this moment. Yeah. Is this kind of like a turning point? Because we've seen Jesus speak truth that could be hard. But here, what we see is maybe a hardening of hearts. Like this is, would you say that this is maybe a turning point as we look at this passage that now they start to... Well, it, it is a huge turning point in the sense that we now are going to see the premeditation, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is the moment where they go, we're going to have to kill him. Yeah. Like literally, this is, right. this is where they conspire. We see some moments like um, when Jesus heals the demoniac, goes in the pigs, runs off, and some people are going... Yeah. Uh, we got to stop this, right? But that's more of a reactive moment. This is going to be proactive that these guys are yeah. going to go, we don't like what he's saying. He's saying some things that we don't agree with. And he's We're going to have go. to kill him. Yeah. We're going to have to kill him. Yeah. It's such a, such a, I, I'll tell you something real quick. So um, right before I moved here, so I was over all the media and all the uh, kind of uh, campuses, all sorts of stuff, uh, creative at Harvest Church. That's where I came okay. from. I was an associate pastor there, you know, multi-site church and, um, I'd become, I'd gone, started being over all the creatives, the video, all the marketing, all the branding. And we did a series on Easter. It started like four or five weeks called, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to kill him. Okay. So there's a website, killhim.tv. And then it kind of changed on Easter to, we're going to have to believe him. Hmm. Right. There's that change. But, um, <laughs> so terrible. We, um, we tried to send out these letters in the mail that were handwritten. I mean, they weren't, but it looked like handwritten that says, we're going to have to kill him. 
check, check it out at killhim.tv, right? That was it. So we're going just very ambiguous there. But the problem was, you know, Trump was maybe just elected president. So we're like, is this about Trump? What are they going to do? So you got all this kind of stuff. Or maybe he had just become, he had just been inaugurated a couple months before. And okay. so there's all that kind of stuff. So they wouldn't let us do that. They would not let us do it, and so they meaning the mail the company. The yeah, so the USPS. We go the US to, Postal so Service. So the thing is, no, 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 no. We printed them all first, and they were just postcards. They're going to show them to and we're going to have to kill them. And it was all to kind of go through all the moments you see these people conspire. You know, all this like fancy media and conspiracy videos yeah. and yeah. type letters, all that kind of stuff. So, but we already had printed. I mean, Billings is a town of a hundred thousand. There, you know. 20,000 households or 15,000 households. We had printed like 10,000 copies of this. Wow. We're like, we, God's given them to us. We got to use them. So you're able to convince the Billings Gazette to let us just put it in their newspaper as kind of a, just an, an extra piece. You know, you get in the newspaper all the and time. And that's how Josh became watched on the... Uh, <laughs> that's, the, the that's actually why I had to move here and take yeah. a job. <laughs> that's it. The Secret Service has been after him so since anyway, then. Not so. that it, has the, and it matters about nothing other than it slid there. And what was so funny is, boy, was there a massive media reaction, which I yeah. was thrilled by. Like, ah, look, we did it. We did exactly. Went very, very viral. Made it all over the place. But the responses were so horrific on social media, how terrible we are. So then what we did is we had Vern, my boss at the time, we, were, we met in this big megaplex for Easter, like the big forum. And so okay. at the beginning of it, poor guy, we just had him just on video just read all the mean tweets about him in the church. So anyway, silly, I was, I was a child then. But anyway, this is where we see that beginning of the con- uh, conspire yeah. of we're going to have to kill him. This isn't helpful for the overtime. Yeah. I didn't get a chat to talk about it on Sunday. But anyway, so kill him. Yeah, so I kill him. TV. I think I still own the domain name. Don't, I'm not going to do anything with it. But. So, so if we go there, we can see that no, series I mean, information? I, I, well, you might be able to see okay. the videos I, I, I edited, but probably not. I don't okay. even think it's up anymore. Okay. So, yeah, I did think that that's a significant moment yeah. for, okay, so what we've seen is Jesus' yeah. teaching has upset people, yeah. but from, from this point on, there's a change. And like, we can see Jesus' MO in all this. Yes. Thanks for drawing us back. Uh, to, uh, and that's what I'll tell you over and over again. That's not my word. I don't even know who they are, but a lot of people say it, that Jesus came to comfort the afflicted. Yeah. But, boy, did he come to afflict the comfortable, right? Yeah. And so you see these moments where he's going to be really direct. And when I told uh, on Sunday, I want to remind you, is the fact that we can peer into this guy's head and mm-hmm. see what he's thinking, to me, uh, maybe it brings some hope in that the only way we know what's in his head yeah. is that he would have had to share that. No one else can know what's in his head. No one else can know what's in his head. And if he were to share it, then perhaps this message actually did bring some affliction at first, yeah. but it might have rattled his cage, opened his eyes, and all of a sudden he had to start really, really looking inward to actually yeah. figure out what's going on. So I'm hopeful that the reason we have this message here and even in Matthew is because this guy let us in on it yeah. because he actually had a change of thought, repentance, and a change of behavior. Yeah, yeah, and I think that there's something beautiful in that. Like, So when you're faced with a hard truth, right, you get to choose what you do in that, right? Yeah. Are you going to either kind of process that and look through and see if there's any truth or something that needs to be corrected in that or will you ignore it just can't no they don't know yeah. all those kind of things so it makes sense we've all done both yeah and that's where it, it, you were talking about this week and we'll get to this in, in 
in verse 34, but it's Jesus is saying is to open your eyes, right? Yeah. Like to look and to see. So uh, maybe what we'll do is we'll just go to, um, I did one of the two things that I, I just kind of wrote down was you were talking about it's we are flawed and broken people pointing to a true and better yeah. person, and that's Jesus. And um, yeah. I love the illustration that you used about when you, whenever you point to a dog, the dog always goes to the end of your finger, yeah. not to where you're pointing. You used an illustration about cheese, which now there's like a meme on social media, but it's fun. You can check that out. Um, but yeah, I think that many times we're the same exact way, right? Yeah. So what Jesus is ultimately pointing to, I think I wrote this down here, is uh, Scripture is pointing to salvation. Yeah. So to Scripture the is yeah. the hard truth that you can't follow it. Yeah. So what do you do when you come to the conclusion that you can't actually obey all this yeah. and do all this required of you? One of two things. You go, well, they don't know. I'll, you yeah. know, they don't know. The second one is, well, i got to pretend because that's it. Or the third one is you actually have to go, if God is calling me to follow this and I can't, yeah. then maybe, maybe it's because he wants me to finally have some self-awareness yeah. that I need a Savior. The whole point of, of the Old Testament is to convince you that you and I need yeah. a Savior. The whole point of the piece of fruit hanging in the garden wasn't that God was mean or evil. Yeah. These guys were walking with God, and yet they still had some pride that they didn't even know was in them. They yeah. were, were yeah. unaware, and then all of a sudden they eat the fruit, and what happens? Their eyes get open, yeah. and they come face to face with how broken and how much they need a savior. Yeah. So this can do one of two things: it can cause you to really, really shut your eyes more, go hide, blame, cover up, or yeah. open your eyes and go, "Okay, Lord, maybe you can actually do this work in me because you're God and you're capable." Yeah. So jumping into um, chapter eleven of Luke, uh, starting in thirty-three, I'll just read a couple yeah. of these. We'll probably pause and then uh, keep going. So, so it says, "No one," and this is right after. Uh, Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no. so the sign and the Ninevites will be the judges against you, basically, the queen yeah. um, queen, um, and the Ninevites. Yeah. So no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see it. Um, and this is ESV, yeah. those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When the eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light, but when it is bad, uh, the body is full of darkness. Therefore... Be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. So you got two things. He tells us to open our eyes. Yeah. But then when he would have used that word, be careful, yeah. it literally means to watch. Yeah. So open your eyes and continue to watch. And so what I wrote in my notes that I plan on talking about, family just was getting going. And But the, what I, I thought, when one, I mean, I went through light and darkness can't coexist. Light always right. dispels darkness. So you want to deal with darkness, you just got to bring light in. That's it. So when we see the brokenness of our world, we can post our posts on Facebook, we can make our statements wherever they are, and just keep yelling at the darkness and telling it to go away. But that's not how darkness can respond. The yeah. only thing that dispels darkness is light. And so Jesus is going, you got to bring light. And you might go, no, no, I've got light in me. No, 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 if your eyes are closed, make sure that light's not actually darkness because mm. it is. But what I was thinking about specifically was if you've ever been to a place, actually out here is pretty neat, I, in Montana, if you go about 10 miles outside of Billings, you know, there's only the rest of Montana, which is like 10 times the size of, you know, five times the size of Pennsylvania, only has like 850,000 people, right? So there's not much light. Yeah. So if you go outside, you can see northern lights, you can see all sorts of stuff. But even here with Amish country, yeah. at night it gets really, really dark. And if you've ever done it, if you actually laid outside and looked at the stars, you can see the stars, but yeah. the longer you look, the more stars you see. It's yeah. so crazy. Like you, you can practice at night. 
I think it might be overcast. But you can go outside and just stare at that, the stars. And the longer you stare, the more stars become visible. Why? Because your eyes are, what's actually literally happening is they're opening more. Yeah. They're opening more. They're adjusting to the darkness and their eyes are opening more to find the light wherever they can find it. So you literally can see more and more stuff. And so what I think Jesus is communicating to us here is, Hey, you gotta open your eyes, and then you gotta yeah. keep them open so that this revelation from God can come into you. And you cannot shut them, right? If you can't go, you cannot shut them. You gotta keep them open so you can keep receiving it. And this is so so profound. Like brilliant minds learn how to do photography, and that they figure out a, a canvas that can collect light quickly. Yeah. And so the whole idea of a camera was that there's a little shutter that would open. Light would come in, then it would shut, and it would just capture whatever that light was outside. So, like, everything you see, literally, right now, the fact that you're seeing us move is a response to someone coming to the conclusion that if you open something up and let light in, you can capture it. Yeah, right. So, Jesus is saying, if you open up your eyes and let this in, it, it can you can be captured by yeah. it. It could change everything, but the reality is you don't want to open your eyes because you're scared to death of seeing what you don't uh, see in the stuff that you don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. And so we all do it. That's why I explained you do it with your debt. You do it with your kids' cell phones. You do it with emails. Right, you do right. it with all sorts of stuff because you just actually don't want to be. You do it with your the scale. Do it with those <laughs> nutrition facts. Whatever it is or the ingredients list because we don't actually want to come yeah. face-to-face with the darkness that, that's around us or even in us. Yeah. So I feel like that was one thing that you, I feel like communicated really well. Well, about opening, yeah. opening your eyes. And as you were talking, one of the th- questions that I thought is, what is the connection then between being self-aware and being able to open your eyes? Like, is there a connection there? I don't know if this is something that I'm reaching for, but is, I don't know, is the question, how do I open my eyes? How do I be more self-aware? I, I don't think it's just up to us. So mm. I don't know. Is there a connection there? Well, I mean, I think the practical one is how do you know that your house is dirty, right? Yeah. I mean, a blind person doesn't know if your house is dirty, yeah. right? They really don't. They don't know if there's dust on it because they can't see it. Yeah. So how do you know those things? Like in, if you grew up in a messy house, whatever it is, you, you remember that it was really low, uh, you know, lamp down kind of light, right? Because the, the way that you actually can assess the dirtiness of something is, I, I think about a movie, right? People are all eating and then those lights come on, you look around and go, yeah. everybody's just slobs, there's yeah. junk everywhere, right? Or think about when you, if you're a house and you happen to have bugs or mice, uh, how do you see them? Well, what happens is the light comes on and what do those things do? Yeah. They, they, they run to the darkness, right? It just gets dispelled from the light and so, if that's the case, we can see, well, the way you get clarity on your clean house, whether it has an infestation, is you actually have to just open your eyes, shine light on it. And so it makes sense that that's the same thing with our heart. Open your eyes so you can see what's going on. Now, what I've told you, one of the things that's been new to me in the last year, and I felt like I was just very clear through a book, that I, I had spent a lot of time trying to do the introspection thing. Yeah. And like search my heart and do all that kind of stuff. But the problem is, when you do that, my opinion, is that that's all internal, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of what happens there is you close your own eyes and just look at like even like yeah. literally close your own eyes and try to figure out what's wrong with you, right? So what is it? Is it that? Is it that? And I spent a lot of time trying to diagnose the moments of trauma that created these weird behaviors in me. Yeah. 
right? And I just felt like at some point God says, Josh, it is not helpful for you to just spend all your time inward introspective. It actually makes more sense for you to allow me to shine my light in you. So when yeah. David says, search my heart, oh God, he doesn't say, hold on a second, God, you stay over there. Let me go search my heart and then I'll come back to you with what I found, yeah. right? And so some of this is just opening your eyes and letting God reveal those things to you. But that just means, like I told you, the way that you see more stars, they're already out there, yeah. is you actually stare more often. So you keep your eyes more focused and open on Jesus and allow his light yeah. to shine. And we can trust because it happens that he will reveal to us those things if our eyes are open. And so what I tell people all the time is um, the, the gift of discernment, which I think is a spiritual gift, is actually interesting because it's not like it's not like I, I, I think I operate in that gift. can usually tell some things, but it's not that I can peer into your soul and God reveal something about your soul to me. I can see a behavior and go, oh, do I recognize that behavior? Yeah, right. Oh, do I re recognize that pontification? Oh, do I recognize that excuse? So I, I can see something. There's some discernment in it, but the discernment actually has come from the fact that God has revealed those things yeah. in me first. And so when I see those things in other people, I'm going, oh, no judgment, because I've been there, right? Yeah, right? And so there's something about as we open our eyes and God reveals things, of course you'll have more self-awareness because yeah. God is doing the revealing. God is doing the revealing. We're changing the way we think. Oh, God, I can't do that anymore. I can't not escape to that thing anymore because it does not help i can so the more awareness we have the more we know about ourselves and the more we can repent and respond but also that awareness also allows us to see what's going on in our kids see what's going on around us because yeah. what you're now seeing is light that's been in you that's not been reflected in what's going on in the world so yeah, yeah. self-awareness comes from uh, revelation from i would argue from God, yeah. from God, not just from our own abilities. Yeah, but I think that's good of not yeah. dwelling too much. It's not all about you. There's this yeah. healthy balance because I feel like as I came out of foster care, I would say that I was probably too much trying to go, yeah. okay, what was, why did God call us to this? And two years later, we're trying to figure out why we're not in this season. And like, it was pretty, pretty rough time. So yeah, yeah. I feel like I got stuck a little bit in that, trying to figure it out on yeah. my own rather than. Just going, okay, God, that was a season that you called us to, and now what are you Yeah, if you want to show me something, that'd be yeah. really great. But if you don't, I just got to trust that you know yeah. what, what's best there, right? And so I think that, like, you can go all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve, they're making this, you know, poor decisions. They realize they're naked, and yeah. they became afraid, which is so interesting. They become afraid by their naked bodies. Yeah. And so what do they do? They run, they hide, they cover up. But then God shows up with his light, and what does he say to them? Hey, guys, where are you? Yeah. Right? So voice of light coming to them. He's just saying, know that I'm here. Could you now tell me where you are in light of me? Right? So yeah. their answer to where they are, God prompts them, actually is in relation to where he is. Yeah. God, we did not want, we were afraid of you. So what we did is we knew where you are and we went to a place that hid from outside of you. So there are these moments that God prompts us to go, hey, could you actually... Think about why you're doing that right now. Mm. Okay, but that is a prompting from God when he goes, where are you? Right, right. Where are you? Why are you doing this? You know, whatever those things are, but that comes from God. But the only way you do that is if you actually hear his voice and open your eyes and see his light. So. Yeah. Uh, I just I laughed because I thought in that season of trying to figure it out on my own, I feel like that was the question where it was God was going, where are you? And I'm like, I'm so lost in thought that I, okay, I'm yeah. going to get back to that. Yeah. Um, so jumping back to the scripture, I'm going to take it from 35. I'm not sure if I read this one just now or not. So therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Verse 36, and then you made an interesting observation. So let me read all of that and then okay. get back to that. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright. As when a lamp is in, uh, as when a lamp 
with its sorry this rays yeah. rays gives you light. Verse twenty six, you said kind of open your eyes. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Open your eyes, but not to fix it. Like it's not our job to fix it or come to a conclusion of going. This is what needs to happen for me or for them. Is there anything more in that that you wanted to talk about? I thought that was a really good point. Yeah, so let's just think about what the scriptures say, that God tells us if we confess our sins, uh, with our mouth, by the way, that's out loud, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Yeah. So we see it and we confess it, right? So we open our eyes so we can see what's going on and we can actually acknowledge it. We can confess it. Where are you, Josh? Well, here's where I am, God. Here's why I did this. You confess it. But what's really, really interesting in that is it actually doesn't tell, it just tells us there in First John that that's where you find forgiveness so God forgives you but many of us you and I all of us have spent a lifetime continuing to confess the same thing and not going why can't I fix this right like okay I confess God forgives me but I go right back to it like even this week many of us said on Sunday we're gonna let light in that and we're not going back to that thing and by Sunday evening we're back at that thing and and you I've been told in the lie from the enemy is that, see, you'll never be able to fix it. You're terrible. God hates you, right? And so what do you do? You want to cover up. You want to hide. You want to feel the shame, right? Instead of going, you're right. I can't fix myself. So either it's impossible or God's got to do this. So, But when you confess it, it says he forgives you. But you know what it doesn't say there? Confess your sins. And if you confess with your mouth, God is faithful and just and will forgive you and cleanse you. Right, faithful and just, meaning he will do what he says and do just, meaning Jesus has already been paid paid the price for that, so you don't have to, and forgive you of your sins. Right now, in James, Jesus's brother, this is where he talks about prayer and wisdom and all that stuff. It actually says, "Confess your sins one to another, that you may find healing." Okay, confess your sins to God, you find forgiveness. Confess your sins one to another, you find healing. There's something about confession to each other and praying for another where healing actually happens. So when you think about, oh gosh, this is the problem. I just need to fix it. I just need to white knuckle. It's going, no, 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 that's not what the gospel is saying. The gospel isn't telling you if you work hard enough, you can fix these things. In fact, the gospel is the exact opposite. You are not able to work hard enough to fix you. You're just incapable, which means what, what do you do? Well, first you let God's light in and you acknowledge the part of your brokenness, but you don't just do that. The way by which you really let light in is by communicating out loud to other people. So, you don't look inward to fix yourself. You're not capable. If, you're, you, if you were capable, if I were capable, we'd be in the spot we tended to be a long time ago that we've never arrived at, right? So, then it's going, no, 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 please, 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 don't spend all your energy and time just trying to fix it yourself by yourself in secret. No, no. The solution is actually to acknowledge our brokenness. This is why I think it's so important that you understand the difference between transparency and vulnerability and why you'll hear me talk on Thursday a little bit about what community looks like and why you'll hear me talk about Cal and community groups over the next couple of months. Because the way that it actually works, you, you confess one another. So, transparency is just exposing yourself right so okay look at all the lights see all of me right but that is if you're really really proud of how broken you are and just want people to see you and all your brokenness okay but that's not really the point of light the point of light is to cast out darkness not to highlight it yeah. and celebrate it right and so that transparency just means exposing yourself but vulnerability which yeah. I really love means that you're you're being honest you're letting light in in the you're letting the darkness come out of you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're being honest about your struggles and you're sharing with other people and inviting them to be a part of the solution. Yeah. Inviting them and Christ in them to walk with you in, the, in that journey. And so when we open our eyes, we, we come face to face with what's in us, but you're not charged with just spending time alone to fix it. And some of you are going, yeah, I'll go back to church. I'll get in a group. I'll, you know, I'll 
I'll do whatever I'll, once I once I get all that fixed. And it's like you're actually never going to fix it all by yourself alone. So yeah, as you were talking, the difference between kind of ex- exposing yourself yeah. versus the vulnerability. I heard something recently that it resonated with me of going, uh, this person could tell the difference when their heart started to beat a little bit faster. Yeah. They were being vulnerable when they started to sweat a little bit. When yeah. there was a little bit of a anxiousness to even. Hmm tell like and I, I thought for me that that's that's how I can tell the difference between okay I'm just telling a story and I'm just kind of exposing it but it's I'm not really being vulnerable yeah. vulnerability is when I'm a little bit nervous as how this will come out or how people may see me and it's a little bit anxious so I, I don't know if that helps anybody but that's what I kind of read jumping um, to verse 37 so now we get into the woes of the Pharisees so he's offered this analogy yeah and now he's going to look directly now at he's him. specific right so I'm gonna read for a chunk no, please sure. stop me if you've got thoughts so 37 says this while Jesus was speaking a Pharisee asked him to dine with him so he went in and reclined at the table and here's I think something that was interesting so many times we see Jesus and the Pharisees and religion Religious law, like at odds, like you would say that they were the enemies, right? But Jesus is taking time to still sit with them, to yeah. eat with them, and to he made be time with them. for them. Yeah, yeah. So that's just kind of a bonus. So he was reclining at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Verse thirty-nine. And the Lord said to him, "Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Sorry, uh, you fools!" Did he who made the outside make the uh, the inside also? But he gave his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Verse 42, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you loved the best seat in the synagogue and the greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walking over them without knowing it. And then one of the lawyers, maybe we'll pause there, he says, one of the lawyers asks him. So here he goes, like, okay. Calls them fools. Yeah. And then he offers the woes. a Pharisee invites him in, and then he addresses, Jesus addresses the Pharisee. So he is, he's addressing his host as well, right? Like, so this is pretty intense. And it's interesting there that in verse 45, it's a lawyer that first speaks up. So I, what does that mean for the Pharisees? Are they just going, ooh, maybe we shouldn't say anything now? Or is it they've already closed off, they've already hardened their hearts to him in his ministry, and they're going, what we see at the end is that they're looking for means to kill him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you got a lot going on here, and so Jesus is uh, actually specific. So this Pharisee invites, and you don't really know how many people are there until you yeah. see the lawyer. Now, the word lawyer there could actually be uh, translated scribe because the law was the Torah. Yeah. Right. So lawyers were those who understood the law really well, and so in in that kind of environment, what seems to be kind of the org structure is scribes or lawyers kind of have their own little following. So this Pharisee comes, but the lawyer would have been the one they would have been looking to, right? So that would have been like a scribe. So this, so Pharisees are really good church members, maybe deacons, and the scribe is like the, the, the pastor, 
go the Lord, right? So he's going to speak on behalf of all of them at some point. But what we see is this guy judges him. And that word astonished, it shows up throughout the scriptures. In fact, we did a whole sermon series on it around yeah. uh, Christmas on the word wonder, yeah. right? And so and there's two different things that could marvel us. One, one is God's grace. And yeah. whatever he decides to show us that grace, whether that's in a you know, miraculous healing, whether that's in you know the word made flesh, whatever that is, every time there's a wonder in that sense is because of God's grace. Now, when you see this guy do it, it's actually the opposite of grace. It's actually in judgment and condemnation, mm-hmm. right? So, so when they were astonished at behavior, yeah. which is so interesting because this actually reveals to us how confu- what they actually believe because they don't believe that most people ever have any bad behavior. And I'd say because they've never actually opened their eyes and did the hard work of allowing God to reveal those things to them. So they see this guy and real quick he, he's astonished because Jesus doesn't wash his hands. And you might, we could, and boy, I had to like stay focused on this and the herb. I really want to talk about them. Like, yeah, they're, you know. But anyway, so I had to stay focused this, this week, but or on Sunday, but we see happen here is Jesus doesn't wash his hands. Yeah. We don't know if he ever washed his hands. I mean, it's kind of like, well, could he get a virus? I don't know. Does he know a great physician who could heal him? <laughs> so, like, did he have different worries? Or, like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So I don't know if, I don't know if this is like, okay, you want to see how light shines. Let me show you where the light's about to start. It's going to start in this revelatory moment for this guys. So we see him be astonished at something. So, yeah. Perhaps that is the way by which Jesus is actually going to bring light into a situation yeah. by by um, uh, not meeting their expectations. Yeah. And by the way, that's where light kind of originates for all of us when we really, really try to uh, when we really, really try to find God or discern from God. It's when our expectations weren't met. Yeah. Right. Okay, God, I thought this would be it. Wait, I thought my dad was going to be here another 30 years. Wait, I thought that my marriage was going to make it. I yeah. thought that I was going to be able to pay my bills. And those things, when you're, you can't meet your expectations, that's where that yeah. first astonishment happens. So this guy has some expectations of this great teacher yeah. that he washes his hands because that's like baseline of cleanliness, which is like at the highest level of rules that you yeah. have to be clean, have to be clean, have to be clean because we're dirty, right? Yeah. And so he's astonished, and Jesus is going to leverage this moment where he's at least in a posture of being kind of rattled mm-hmm. to go, okay, now let me shine some light into this. Yeah. And this is where he's going to address their focus on outward things right. as right. opposed to actually opening their eyes and letting it reflect what's going on in there. So what you see here is Jesus is going, you haven't done the hard work of opening your eyes and inviting me in because I'm God and I still see these things, he literally says it. Like, I do not think that the same one that looks at the outside can look on the inside. He's about to do this work on their behalf. So you would think this is really a gracious gift of God to go, hey guys, you haven't had the courage to look into these things, but I'm actually going to reveal these things to you. And they don't respond with, that's really nice of you. Now Jesus is going to rattle their cages yeah right he calls them fools but that word fool literally could be translated probably should be translated because it's different than the other fool as insane yeah so this is like so terrible so terrible uh so we have um we have a garden all those kind of things and uh there's bunnies all back there they yell over stuff but <laughs> it, uh, it looked like a, a mama bunny and like laid eight, like I've had, uh, I was about to say like eggs, eight little baby bunnies, and they're okay. all kind of like hidden almost like in our carrots or somewhere over there. And oh, wow. Max okay. saw my dog, yeah. and um, 
So we're trying to keep him out of it. And Julia's like, last night, she's like, he got out. And like, he keeps going over there. But I go, and none of the bunnies are there anymore. Okay. And the reality is, we're going, we think our dog may have actually consumed them. Okay. Little bitty baby bunnies. It's disgusting, right? The reason I tell you that is like, he doesn't, like, I want to go, Max, that's not good for you. That's yeah, going to make right. you vomit. You could get a disease. It's going to cost us money, right? But he has no ability to play the tape through or see cause effect. Right. Right. He has, because he's an animal. He's right. literally an animal, right? And so Jesus is basically saying, you're just like that. Yeah. You are just like that. You are an absolute animal. Literally, the word means to be foaming at the mouth, the way that Max was foaming at the mouth about these things, right? Yeah. And so this is deeply offensive that he is calling them as incapable of basically having a soul mm-hmm. and being able to discern. So he's going to he's going to really call that out. And then what he's really going to point out is the difference between um, what's inside versus what's outside. And we've seen this all the way back in the Old Testament with Samuel coming to identify who the next king's going to be and David. And David's a little scrawny guy, and he goes, hey, what? You, a man looks on the outward appearance, but God, he looks at the heart. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to see play out here, that God's going, I see it all. I see it all. So could you stop trying to pretend to be so great on the outside when all that mess is going inside? And I am convinced that the reason we don't do that is because we kind of deceive ourselves into thinking that God doesn't actually see all that. Right? No, no, God doesn't care about that. He doesn't see it. And Jesus is going, I care about it, yeah. and I do see it. Yeah. So I'm kind of let me try and speed this up a bit because I do want to get make sure we get to John mm. and get to that question. Yeah, so yeah. let me read kind of through the end of this. Yeah. Jump in if yeah. you want to stop me at any point. So um, picking up in verse 45, it says one of the lawyers. So Jesus just says this. That's yeah. pretty insulting. Talking about inside, you're you're still yeah. Pretty so but bad just before then, he talks about unmarked graves. Really, really important. Yeah, because he's going. <laughs> you know how you can really ruin your week is yeah. this. Stumble on an unmarked grave and you've lost the next week and you're yeah. doing all these cleaning rituals because yeah. you because you know it's important to be clean, right? So he's going, that's actually, you are you are spiritually dead. You're not even capable of that. Like you are like the unmarked grave. No, here's yeah. the problem. Not only are you spiritually dead, everyone who encounters you is actually being defiled yeah. by their interaction with you because you are unmarked in terms of you're spiritually dead. They think you're spiritually alive. They yeah. don't know that you're actually spiritually dead. So when they encounter you, you literally are defiling them. So he's saying, you are like, the worst of the worst Jews. Like you're the worst. That, if you're grading yourself on being a good, religious, godly person, you are the opposite in every category of being godly. You are spiritually dead, meaning you have no connection to the God of the yeah. universe. And everyone who comes into contact with you becomes more defiled and more unclean and more spiritually dead than when they before they met yeah. you. And that is some harsh, yeah. harsh stuff. Like this would be like Jesus showing up and going, your kids would be better if you weren't their parents. Yeah. Like that kind of harshness is what we're seeing in this moment. So, so you can imagine this is where the lawyer goes. Yeah, for forty-five, it's it's so weird to me because it's almost like, oh, Jesus insult us too. Like, no, no, teacher, uh, in saying these things, you yeah. insult you insult us also. So he's actually saying you're saying all these things, and you're supposed to be the godly person, but you really are insulting yeah. us. Like yeah. you're insulting us. Like they literally are saying. So I, what I can imagine is the lawyer is the spokesman on behalf of the rest of the people because okay. this would have been like their leader. Okay. This would have been the scribe. And so he comes and goes, Jesus, 
You gotta be nicer. You're really, really hurting their feelings. If your job, if you think your goal is to draw a crowd and build a bigger <laughs> church, let me tell you, this isn't the way you build a bigger church. Yeah. You gotta be nice to the people. You can't upset the people. They won't give the money if you upset the people, Jesus. What you're saying is really, really hurting their feelings. Like, he's like, what? But that's what we have here. This guy who's trying yeah. to explain to Jesus how you lead a group of people. You gotta be real careful. They're really, really sensitive, right? And I mean, that's the same world we all live yeah. in now and churches and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so that's what you have. This guy stand up and go to their feelings yeah. are hurt. And so then Jesus is going to give them more woes. Yeah, so yeah. he continues. He says, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load uh, people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burden with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed him. Uh, they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, "I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah." who perishes between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. And uh, let me just finish out. There's two more verses. Then, um, as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something that... Uh, something he might say. And so he's harsh here, and that does bring me to yeah. a question. But any thoughts before we jump yeah, into Yeah, so that there's question? a lot going on here yeah. where he is actually saying there's there's two different levels of woes. One is, woe to your willful ignorance. Yeah. Woe to it. Like, do you, woe to you for your arrogance and thinking you don't need <laughs> the God of the universe to reveal what's going on in you because you have it all under control. You literally are saying to God, you got it, you don't need a savior. And Jesus is like, I'm literally the Savior, but you cannot receive me because you don't believe you need a Savior. Yeah. No, so you got that piece. But then the lawyer pops up. This is the, the scribes. These are basically like the pastors who are leading these flocks of Pharisees. And there is a harsher judgment. And he goes, woe to you. Because not only are you dirty and broken and spiritually dead, but you are actually defiling every single person who comes in contact with you. So you got the yeah. whole wave of that. When he says in verse 52, uh, you did not enter yourselves. I mean, you've never had access to the kingdom. Yeah. What's so weird is people are paying you because they think you're a good tour guide. You know nothing about the tour of the kingdom of heaven. You've never been there. You've never experienced it. You've never tasted it. And these folks are following you and paying you. And you have actually, not only have you never experienced it, you are the one who is yeah. keeping them from experiencing it. And so I don't know. Like, I just think as a pastor who struggles with religion, like if Jesus were to come and say, you've wrecked all your people. Yeah. Like that would be Absolutely devastating. Like I said, yeah. this would be like if you're a mom, Jesus going, going, yeah, I can't believe I gave you those kids. Yeah. Like just how wretched they be because you go, they're, hopefully they're not completely arrogant. They might go, who, whatever, they don't care, which is the case because they yeah. decide they're going to kill him because that is harsh and that is very, very direct. So Jesus is rattling their cages, hopefully for them to open the, uh, the gates yeah. and be freed. Instead, they're going to go, nope, we're going to get a little smaller cage and yeah. we're going to stay in our little box and stay in our little, yeah. you know, yoke and do our own thing. And Jesus is going, you're, you're ruining people. You're ruining yeah. people. And so then he's going to go, and here's, let me give you an example. You got, let's go all the way back to the beginning, right? Since scribes, you know this, you know the law. 
You know about Adam and Eve. God created them, right? And you know they messed it up. And God revealed himself to them and promised them hope. And, you know, literally shed life to them. Actually made the first sacrifice. He actually slaughtered innocent animals. Those animals didn't do anything wrong, right? They did nothing wrong. And they just happened to be in the wrong place. God slaughtered them so they could get some leather gear, right? And so so they could be covered up, which is foreshadowing the fact that there'd be another innocent per, uh, human who would be slaughtered, Jesus, to cover for our sins, right? So it's a literal picture of that. So he's going, you knew that. But then you knew they had kids. And... You knew that there was going to be a mess. And there was Cain and Abel, two different kids. And God was able to see what they are sacrificing. You know, you're making these sacrifices. You're making these lofty prayers. You're giving from your spice rack. You're doing all these different things on the outward. Well, you know there are two people like that. You know them. They were Cain and Abel. And God literally looked at the two of them and says, Cain, I can see into your heart and your offering's not acceptable. Abel, I can see in your heart and yours is. And so what happens? What did that guy do? He got seethed at God and seethed at that person who God welcomed and he murdered him. First martyr in the history of the world, right? And then, by, uh, in the history, of, yeah, in the world. And then and then he's going to point to Zechariah, who we believe is the last one here, if it's the one that we think he's pointing to. I'm going, this guy showed up and told you to repent. And you're like, I'm not listening to them. This is your people. The people in your book that you now say, they shouldn't have done that. That was wrong of them to do it. They shouldn't have done it. Look, these prophets, you should celebrate the prophets because the prophets told them not to do it. Zechariah was a prophet. Look, look, we, you know, we're, we celebrate him for his, you know, his vocal and powerful voice of shining light into darkness and then they murdered him and he's going just because you built little altars to them go poor martyr you know Abel poor martyr Zechariah he's going do you not get it you're doing it but you're doing it at a worse level because both Cain and I mean both Abel and Zechariah were a typology they were pointing to a greater prophet and a greater martyr so you want to know what's going to really happen you are actually given the opportunity to see God incarnate in the flesh, and you're going to do the same thing. So guess what that happens? Your generation, your generation is going to see it at a greater level because you didn't just murder a someone who was pointing to a true and better Jesus. You're going to murder Jesus himself. So in this moment, you just see that he's going right in front of you. You are so arrogant to believe that you've come up with new rules, new laws, new plans, and you can do it better than your ancestors, but you're actually doing it worse. You're hearing from God himself, not just the prophet of God. So the, yeah. the question that comes up in this is from one of our listeners. Um, it's from Ezekiel 18.20, and I'll read that verse. It's in the ESV. Uh, Ezekiel 18.20 says, The son shall not suffer for the iniquities of the father, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Yeah, yeah. So I'm surprised that Jesus told the scribes that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world would be charged against this generation. He said that in Luke 11.50. Yeah, um, this continues on. It says, I'm also surprised that Jesus said, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. And that's 1147. It seems to me that building a slain person's tomb is a way of honoring that person. And it gives an example of like John F. Kennedy. So yeah, any thoughts on these puzzles? Yeah, lots. And I think it, it, so a couple things. One, we know that God has just told people that he can see on the inside. Yeah. So... One thing that we know real early on, real quick, is that God is actually seeing what's in their hearts and souls and their motivation. But, so you got a couple of things. He is, God is so just, he's going, I'm not going to make you pay the, for someone else's sin. Okay, so hey, your father's sin is your father's sin. 
not your sin. Your father's sin is your father's sin, not your sin. He'll pay for that. He'll be responsible for his. You'll be responsible for yours, right? So, by the way, your father's salvation is not your salvation, right? Yeah. Your father will be rewarded for his salvation. You'll either be rewarded or judged for yours, right? However you decide to do that, however that works. So he's basically, in his justice, going, look, you are responsible. You will stand before God and give an account about you about you so that's what we see there but then you go wait but he just said that he's gonna they're gonna pay the price for all the generations yeah well because all the other generations were pointing to this moment in history all the generations from literal like i just told you when god sacrificed that animal to cover adam and eve with garments to cover their literal shame that was pointing to a true and better sacrifice when abel was slaughtered for wanting to please and worship and obey god Abel was pointing to a true and better sacrifice and martyr who came to this earth to please and worship God and to right the, the sins, not only of just Abel, but for everyone, right? So what he's saying here is, look, you are staring down this pinnacle moment in history where you are going to get to choose with what you do with the God of the universe. You are either going to accept him or you're going to reject him. You're either going to see him and receive him respond to him and reflect him or you're going to put him literally in the ground you're going to cover him up you're going to cover him up and so he's going you got to know this what you think you're doing better because you made a couple of tombs and you celebrate that your dad was wrong because the prophets were right you're missing it in an even greater way because you are now saying that you're right and that prophet who is jesus me, jesus going, me is yeah. wrong and so that, that what they're being punished for as he says you look you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not being punished for someone else's sin you're being punished for your like your own now we can see generational sin in the scriptures but the reality is the generational sin seems to be something that hasn't been binded yeah. or you know in 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 families lives so many of us struggle with the same sins that our fathers did right but that's not because our father did that to us maybe maybe there's some shaping in that but we are still personally accountable so those generational things we haven't taken to jesus's feet and go i repent it's yours shine your light in me so what we see happening here is he's just literally going yep you're going to pay for it because you're actually doing the very same thing your ancestors did you're just too foolish and arrogant to see it you know why you're too foolish and arrogant to see it because you won't open your eyes hmm. so he is giving them these woes and it literally is this plea but that word woe seems to imply condemnation but there's this grievance this grief that comes with it so he's going I am grieved at the judgment that's coming on you for just this interaction. Yeah. Just now when you are literally sticking your middle finger up at me and saying that you don't have to follow me and I'm going to walk away from this and you're going to huddle up and decide to murder me. Hmm. You'll be judged for that. You'll be judged for when Jesus makes himself known whether or not you close your eyes or you open them. And so this is, I implore you, we implore you, Jesus implores you. This is where you open your eyes. And you see him. You see him. And then you don't just see him. You receive him. You receive his grace. You receive his love. And then as a result of receiving it, then out of the overflow of that, you respond to him. And here's what's going to naturally happen. The more you see him, the more you receive him. And the more you respond to him, the more that your life and your family is going to, and your, our church is going to reflect him and his goodness. So they're accountable for their own behavior. And what's really, really sad here is they think they've gotten it all figured out. And that's why they've made these yeah. tombs but they're just as foolish and just as, you know, they're just as foolish as, yeah. as the ones before. So then uh, kind of the last yeah. several minutes that we have, I'd yeah, like yeah. to, so how do we see him? How do we receive yeah. him? How do we respond to him? And how do we reflect him better? Yeah, so that's where I would have liked to have gotten to Sunday and here I am again, because like, I want you to 
this is where I want you to feel like the gravitas, the weight of this. Like, we are encountering a living God. When you come in here on a Sunday and you see people worshiping him, and it says, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he draws people to himself. There are people that he is wooing. Mm. They're wooing. You're, we're being wooed to him right now. And where we dig in our hills and what we do, we're accountable for. And so you go, okay, if that's not the case, if I don't, I can't resist it anymore. Like I do, yeah, please, 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 don't resist it. Don't stay in your cage. The door is open. Just walk out, right? Just walk out. That's where it says, in view of God's mercy, all for your body is a living sacrifice. Because that is your logical and reasonable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, by letting this light come in and renovate your mind. And so uh, it's really interesting. So we know here they conspire to kill Jesus. And then we are going to see, I don't know how much later, I need to go back and look at the timeline, less than a year, that these same guys are going to come back and they're going to murder him, right? This sect of people, these scribes, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, this sect of religious people are so done with him and his demands, which are so light, right, uh, that they're going to murder him. And so right before Jesus is going to get captured, Jesus is going to pause with the ones who he's seen into their heart. He has been shining the light in every part of them. He's not going to give them specific instructions. So this is where we find that Jesus does the, the Lord's Supper, Last Supper, really, really neat. That he goes, let me remind you, this is my body offered to you because you couldn't cover yourself. I'm the perfect sacrifice. I'm the perfect martyr. I'm the perfect prophet. And this is my blood that's shed for you the same way that the Passover lamb was shed for you, that I'm a perfect Passover lamb, right? So uh, shed for you. Eat, drink, do this in remembrance me and then he's going to give what's kind of what we call the last discourse and this is where he tells us that he's going to give us another to walk through this the holy spirit so he's like you're going to get the holy spirit he's going to comfort you he's going to guide you and when you can see the holy spirit is like this big massive flashlight that enters into you and shines the light everywhere and then as you receive it he's going to start shining light in front of you so you can walk with him so he's like, you're going to get that and then he goes as you get that as you get another the same as me this is what you're going to do and this is where we get to john 15. And he gives us a picture of how we produce fruit, how we live this life. If it's not us, if I can't fix myself, well, how do I get fixed? And not just fixed, how do I reflect them? And he says this, I am the true vine, meaning I'm the source of life. That's what that means, I'm the source of life. So imagine a grape vine or whatever it is that Jesus is going. The only way that you have life is to be connected to the life source. Those other folks that you just read about, they're spiritually dead, right? So you want to be spiritually alive, you have to be connected to the vine. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser, meaning my father has been preparing this and pruning it and cleaning it up. Watch what it says. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So he's 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 removing those. He's all these religious people. He's removed them. Watch what happens to them. And every branch that does not bear fruit, and, and every branch that does not uh, bear fruit, he prunes. So he's looking and goes, there is no life. There's no life bursting forth. That means i got to rattle their cages some more. i got to shine some more light in it. There's got to be repentance, right? And that it may bear more fruit. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to see him, receive him, respond to him, and then reflect him with fruit, right? Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So he goes, this is different. This is different. You guys are already clean because my light is entered you. Right? My words have energy. And you go, well, how does the word matter? Watch what it says. Abide in me. That means to remain me. Come, stay connected. Stay plugged into me. Stay letting that light. Keep those eyes open. Always. So if you can imagine, it's like a switch. So keep the switch open. The power's got to keep coming in. So imagine your eyes as being this place that you keep them open so you can see him. Right? Abide in me. 
and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, the branch by itself over in the distance will not produce. It is no longer able to produce light because it's not connected to the power source. That lamp does not work, right? Um, bear fruit by itself unless it abides or remains or stayed connected to the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, watch this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. Now watch this, for apart from me you can do nothing. So these religious people, he's saying you're spiritually dead. Mm. You want your life to matter. You want to actually, you want to live with a fruitful, purposeful life. The only way you do it is to abide in me. He says something really interesting. You abide in me and I'll abide in you. Meaning, if you'll stay with me, I will stay with you. If you'll keep your eyes on me, I will keep my eyes on you, right? So you've seen this. You literally open your rest. You just rest in him, right? And then he says this. If anyone does not abide in me, oh, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Woe to them. Yeah. And the branches are gathered and they're thrown into a fire and burned. So that is the picture of what these guys are. He's yeah. going, you want to see the difference. Those guys who plot to kill me, who are about to come get me, they are wither and burn. Yeah. I told you there'd be a woe. Here's what it's going to be. If you abide in me, now watch this. If you abide in me and I, and my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So this is what's so amazing about this. He literally says, you want in on the whole gospel. You want to stay connected to our source. If you will just remain yeah. in me, if you'll just remain in me and keep watch on my words. In other words, we can see this as light, as light. Not as the one who produces the light, not as the goal, but the thing that can reveal the stuff in us. So when Jesus says, whoever hears these words and keeps them, keeps watch on them, so we get to look every single day to hear and respond to God's word. And so just, I'm saying this right now. So he said on Sunday, you have a response. You can go, yep, 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 that word's in me. Yep, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive him right now. Yep, yep, that's what he's saying. If you'll receive me, if you'll abide in me and my word in you, right? So uh, if you'll see it and receive it, and then you'll respond to it. So he says, whatever you wish. At that point, when you have let all the light come into you and now it's pouring out of you, you're going to see as I see and all you're going to want to do is do as I say. So a natural byproduct of this happening in you is you and I are going to want the same things. Yeah. You're going to want the things that I want. You're going to receive my grace and mercy and you're going to want to be distributors of that grace and mercy. So guess what? When you ask for those things, of course I'm going to do them because you and I are going to be so aligned that everything you ask is going to be of me because you are abiding in me. And this is what he, uh, uh, and he says something really interesting. He says, it will be done for you by this, the Father is glorified. So now we get a picture. When you do this, when you see him and you receive him and you respond to him and you reflect him, this is the let your light so shine before men that people can see your good work and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. So now we get a picture. If we'll just receive this. If we'll allow it to come into every part of us, and then we'll respond to it with His grace and mercy and love, and start to ask the Lord to allow your life to reflect Him and to uh, participate in bringing that kingdom, what's going to happen is your Father's going to receive a lot of glory. This is how He's glorified, uh, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You want to know if you're a disciple? You produce fruit. How do you produce fruit? You remain in Jesus. You allow that light to shine in all those areas. So if you notice, all of these things so far have nothing to do with your own abilities or your performance. It has everything to do with resting and remaining. And then he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So just abide in my love. These things I've spoken to you, 
Uh, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my uh, kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So as you do this, as you let this light shine, what's going to naturally happen is you're just going to want to do those things. You're going to see Him, and you're going to receive His word. And then, as you receive His word, you are not going to be able to help responding to his words. Yeah. You receive this, you respond, and you're going, I don't know how to do that. I don't understand. I'm like, me neither. I, I don't know how to go, this is how this works. Like, if you do this, here's what your the next inclination will be. I'll just say, what I promise you, the more you keep your eyes open, the more stars you'll see, and the clearer your path will become. Yeah. Right? But you cannot do that. You're kind of going to figure it all on my own. No, no, no. Just see mm-hmm. him. Receive him. Respond to him. And what will naturally happen as you do, little by little, day by day, you will reflect him. These things, he says, I've spoken to you. That you, that your, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. So he's going. You see those really bitter religious people. You know why they're bitter? Because they don't have any joy. You know why they don't have any joy? Because the only place you can get joy is in me. And you know, you get joy in me, you rest in me, you remain in me, and you mm-hmm. keep my commandments. So, lots to think about here. But to yeah. go, if you could just rest in Jesus, rest in Him, allow His light to just circle. And like, I'm really, really enjoying the summer because I got a pool, and I'm just sitting and enjoying the sun, right? The rays of the sun and just relax. And it's a whole new me. It's a night like all oh, jittery. So I'm just like relaxing. And that's what you got to do. First step is just to receive his light. Receive his light. Open your eyes. And as you open your eyes, receive more of it. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. It may take you a day. It may take you a week. It may take you a couple months. But you will start to see the things that God sees because he will be shining that light out of you and around you. And the Holy Spirit will start to do that work. But it all starts with you opening your eyes and seeing him and then receiving him. So Jesus, I receive you. I receive your light. And would you cast out the darkness and may I respond with whatever words you give me. That's the step. John chapter 15. I'd recommend you keep reading it over and over again and trying to practice it just by resting him, just by resting him. Like a little baby that fights when they're sleepy. Eventually, finally, if they fight, fight, you hold them long enough, eventually they finally relax. That's what's happening here. We're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting, fighting. And the more you see and receive him, the more you'll be able to relax. So double dog dare you to do it. Well, that is pretty much all the time that we have today. Really hope that you were challenged and encouraged by our discussion. As always, if you have questions regarding this or something that you're just kind of walking through, we encourage you to um, email us, text us. Uh, You can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. Any questions that you have regarding the message or not, you can text us at 610-869-2140. Pretty much any question that you have there. We love when you ask questions and you engage in that. Again, hope that you're challenged and encouraged, and we hope to see you this coming weekend. Have a great week, everyone.